Lovely listeners, it's uh, old Ben here with my main man. Who's that main man over there on the line? It's me, Stevie Fresh. It's Stevie. Fr- is that is that the man known as Steven Spratling of West Coast fucking Hollywood fame? Yeah, you may know me as the uh, WCW NWO champ. Um, you might see me around town with a uh, sprayed-on beard. Ah. Uh, you might remember me from taking down Gawker. Are you the guy that drives around L.A. with the white van with Metallica spray-painted on it and black spray-painted? <laughs> we lived across the street from that guy um, when we first moved to Hollywood. Um, we stayed with a guy like right behind Hollywood and Highland, which is... Um, it, to put it in relation to Gatlinburg terms Ooh. is like the strip, ah. um, tons of tourists, uh, people dressed like Spider-Man, mm, Spider-Man, Captain Jack Sparrow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. One night I, uh, I went to a store to grab a drink and on my way back, I saw a guy dressed as Jack Sparrow who was actually drunk and <laughs> swaying like Jack Sparrow. It was it was pretty funny. That's the best. I'm really happy that that happened. Yeah. And the Metallica van is awesome. So That's a funny thing that happened, y'all, is that, that as you guys know, my main man out here, Stevie Fresh, he moved out to the hills of uh, Las Vegas, Hollywood. Uh, Los That's Angeles, Hollywood. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, Las uh-huh. Vegas, California. Viva Los Angeles. You know that song. (laughs) And he sent me a picture of this van that had Metallica spray painted on it. He's like, hey, I think I found your van. And uh, then maybe about about six months to a year or so later, I was actually out in Los Angeles for the NAMM show, which is kind of a musician gear uh, convention kind of thing. And I was just walking down the street, going towards the convention center, and there I saw the white Metallica van. (laughs) <laughs> I hope he's listening. I hope so too, because whoever he is, he's awesome. Because it's just spray painted on the side. It's not, it's not like professionally done oh, or anything. It's it's amazing. I love it so much. What do you think his favorite Metallica record is? Kill 'em all. You think he's a kill? Yeah, probably so. Because it's kind of yeah. like a crust yeah. punk kind of fucking van. Yeah, it? yeah. Uh huh. Absolutely. Uh huh. <laughs> I. uh I would be hugely disappointed if, like, you met him and he was like, dude, St. Anger is my fucking shit. <laughs> if he was like, I love the documentary. That's oh, okay. it. Okay. I don't even like, I don't even. Let's go ahead and mention that real quick. So about about a month or so ago, I noticed that yeah. Netflix added some kind of monster, otherwise known as the Metallica yeah. uh, St. Anger documentary. They added that onto to Netflix. Yeah. I hadn't seen that since it came out, which is to say, like, 2003 or something like that. Yeah, that's the last time I saw it, too, yep. I hadn't watched it, and so over the course of, like, a couple of days, I just kind of watched it in segments just to see. It's like, is this as bad as I remember? Um, 
And is it? I'll tell you, like watching it, you know, ten years after the fact, and after having been exposed to the the atrocity known as as Saint Anger. Um, I really think if you watch that with a fresh set of eyes, yeah, I really do think that it was just basically the documentary filmmakers trying to send a warning to fans yes about oh, why absolutely. the album they were about to get was so bad yeah uh, do you remember the scene where Lars Ulrich is uh he's bidding for expensive art and drinking champagne he, he's selling his own art collection oh for like he's selling his own art dollars yeah yeah, and then and then after the auction, he just lays back on the couch and he's like, "I'm so exhausted." Yeah. Oh my, oh, it's the worst. But there, there's a there's a German word for the uh, a face in need of a punch. It's backpfeifengesicht, <laughs> and and that is <laughs> Lars Ulrich. And if he's listening, and I know he is, honestly, like, listen. Metal drummers, they listen to our fucking podcast. Oh, yeah, okay. Clearly. Vinny Paul. Vinny Paul calls me all the time and he's like, My my calves are massive. Yeah. Oh. And geez. I love your podcast. But Lars Ulrich, if you're listening, you uh, you have a face in need of a punch. An Uber face in need of a punch. But really like mm-hmm. if you watch that documentary thinking to yourself, okay. This isn't a glorification of this record and this time period. It's a warning and an explanation yeah. of why that record yeah. is so. You'll watch it in a totally new light, just because they show all yes. the footage of the band, even the, the footage of the band, like, writing the songs and recording it. I mean, it uh-huh. just sounds like Auditioning bass players. Yeah. Oh, And then, like, there's all this footage of all these people that are kind of in their camp around them being like oh guys it's so good wow wow let's put that on the fridge it's so good wow we should cover that as a horror movie oh my god that'd be fucking hilarious dude i mean it's got monster in the title it does you're right (laughs) yeah it's it's funny and and i will say as like as a disclaimer to that so i don't just sound like a total fucking fucking you know hater here it's like metallica stuff man completely did change the course of my guitar playing and oh, yeah. Life as Metallica's a musician amazing. in general. Yeah, love Metallica. Yeah. I am not fucking shitting on Metallica. Love Metallica. Oh, hell yeah. But that but, record is a pile of shit. That record's fucking terrible. <laughs> it's so bad, dude. It's so bad. Well, the movie that we're reviewing here today is a uh, is a little French film by the name of High Tension, or as it is otherwise known by its, um, its original title, which I think is the name of like the best the best emo band ever since stained scars do you know the original title of the movie the yeah the it's the british title the uh, switchblade romance switchblade romance which is the best emo band of all time yeah and doesn't fit this movie at all uh, so fuck no no there's no switchblade involved <laughs> there no. is some romance a little bit i guess oh i i mean i guess if you consider killing the person you love uh his entire family and then kidnapping them and and trying to kill them too romance i just call that tuesday steve yeah hey that's that's when we hunt snails out here so (laughs) all right it's uh call back what? It's a that's a horrible name for the movie. Um, was this the first time that you've seen this movie? Absolutely, first time. Never seen this movie before. Um, I have now seen it twice, and 
I have a lot to say, uh, though I will say the fewest notes I have ever taken for a movie. How many page you got? Uh, I believe I have five. Wow. So, and most of those are notes uh, about the context of the movie. So, because I, uh, this is a blind spot for me in horror. Mm. As I said at the end of last episode, this was a period when I was Mormon and yes. didn't watch R-rated movies. Uh, any horror movies I saw during that time were PG-13, mm. so um, never saw this. I uh, have not seen any of the Saw movies. I've never seen uh, any Hostel movies. Wow. I have not seen any of these um, French uh, new extremist like mar- uh, martyrs movies. and shit like that. Yep, never seen Martyrs, never seen any of these. So, um, this is uh, really interesting for me. I have seen the Hill, the Hills Have Eyes remake. I haven't seen uh, the remake. Is, I've seen the OG, which is fucking awesome. Oh yeah, the OG is great. Uh, Alexander Aja, though the the director of this, and I believe Aja is correct. I looked it up. Uh, if I'm mispronouncing it, I apologize. Um, I've seen his Hills Have Eyes remake, and it, it was pretty good. Uh-huh. Um, he is a part, though, of what I am now going to term the elite set of directors involved in the Piranha series. No fucking way. Did he do 3D or something? Yeah, think. I want you to think about this. Piranha 1, the first, 1978, directed by Joe Dante, what who goes fuck? on to dir- direct Gremlins, etc., Piranha 2, direct. Yeah, Piranha 2. We talked about it last week. Directed by James Cameron. Jimmy Cameron, director of several noteworthy, actually several of like the biggest grossing movies of all fucking time. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean it's James fucking Cameron. Yeah. Um, Piranha 3D, directed by Alexander Aja. I had no idea. uh, And Piranha 3 Double D directed by a guy I have not heard of named John uh, Gallagher who is a director of a, a movie that is I've read about and heard about a number of times called Feast. It's kind of a, a cult horror movie that came out in around 2008, I think. Um, so I'm going to check that out because he is a part of this interesting series of directors for movies that I mean, if you watch the Piranha series, they're fine. Like, not one of them is bad. Not one of them stands out as great. But um, interesting that so many uh, directors that have made good horror movies have been involved in the Piranha series. Damn, that's so rad. I didn't know that this guy had done one of the Piranha flicks. That's pretty cool. Now, uh, we should also talk about the the script for this because the screenwriter is a frequent collaborator with Aja Gregory Lavesseur. Mm. Um, he's credited. It, it is a bit. Fr- I think actually when I look at his name, I see Pepe Le Pew. Oh, I don't know why. That rapey <laughs> little skunk. The thing is though that this should get a story by credit from Dean Koontz as it is almost exactly the story from his novel Intensity. Really? Yeah. Um, Aja has admitted that he had read the the book, and and, uh, Kuntz has uh, declined to, uh, like, 
seek any sort of damages for it because he said that uh, the movie is puerile and and you know not even worth his time. Um, well, he basically just said, "I'm Dean Koontz, suck my dick." Yeah, basically. Eat my coons. Um, <laughs> I Dean Koontz is whatever. I don't want to talk about Dean Koontz. <laughs> Uh, whatever but uh, that's i mean that's cool that he didn't sue though it is shitty of them to just basically steal someone's work yeah um but i mean they do something with it that he didn't do but it's you know whatever um i had seen this movie before i watched it totally on a whim and uh, I really, I really enjoyed the movie. Um, I liked it a lot, so I was kind of excited to talk about this one with you. Uh, let me ask you: Which edition did you watch, and where did you watch it? Because there's a few different versions. I watch uh, both. I, I um, on Shutter they have the uh, the dubbed and edited edition. I watched that. Okay. Then yeah, the to... original one that I watched was yeah. the unedited one, and I did notice a few differences. Yeah, I watched the unedited version when I took notes. So, uh, that yeah, there are a few differences. And, uh, I mean, I don't have a problem with the dubbing, honestly. But, um, yeah, the I, I do prefer subtitles. We'll talk about this kind of more later on whenever we're kind of wrapping up. But sometimes, sometimes yeah. dubbing doesn't bug me. Sometimes it does. Um, yeah. I, I'm with you. I think, I think some subtitles would have been totally fine by me on this one but if you can if you listeners can definitely try to watch the unedited one mainly the stuff that changes is like gore stuff and um yeah there's some yeah really some quality, scenes are just a little longer gore yeah yes exactly man and and especially some of the kill scenes are just way grittier in the unedited one so if uh-huh. you can watch that one so why don't you uh why don't you kick us off here about this thing so this movie starts with the um i guess it's sort of a classic in the hospital traumatized type of opening um mm-hmm. it's kind of that, she, that cold blue light you see like gowns and bare feet and you're like yeah it could be a hospital maybe it's a loony bin i don't know yeah and the person that we will you know meet later as marie is uh, sitting in a hospital gown with just huge gashes in her back and on her face, and she's, yeah, and she's repeating the words, I I won't let anyone come between us anymore, just over and over and over and over. Um, And then she asks, are they recording? And it flashes back. But it doesn't flash back to the beginning of the story. It flashes back to the ending of the story. Yeah. Which is, uh, this is, okay. Here's the thing about this film. I have to say from the beginning and, and why I think I have so few notes. This film is Marie's story, her, her, her lie about what happened on yes. this night. And that's this very, is not very the important. story. And that, that deals with a lot of 
criticisms I've seen about this movie. You're right. That that little line she says in there, are you recording, um, lets you know that what you're seeing here is her account of what's going on. I think a lot of people miss that. Um, yeah. Well, you have to watch it twice, I think. I think you have yeah. to watch it twice for that to, to sink in because watching it the first time, and, you know, we'll just go ahead and rip off the Band-Aid, the ending, we... <laughs> The reveal that Marie has been the killer the whole time, even though we're shown yeah. a different killer who is a, a tall and, and brutal looking man. Um, so what you have to, if you watch it just once through, it, it feels like a ripoff, like at the end almost. It feels like, what? Yeah. Like, that's stupid. And you might go, um, this is full of holes. There's full of, you know, uh, there's yeah. no logic in a lot of the things that happen here. But you got to think, you're hearing the story of a fucking crazy person. Yeah, and that's, yeah, that's it. So if if you realize that she she is telling her story at this point, uh, and that, that her main victim, uh, the person she was out really to, to get, is behind... Um, see-through glass or see-through mirror uh a one-way mirror that's what they're called uh and and listening to her tell this story then mm. you realize that this the story uh probably has elements of truth there are things that are certainly verifiable and then there are things that are just uh made up completely exactly and so then after that kind of hospital scene is where we get basically where the story really begins which is with marie and alexia in a car uh, marie is our main character short hair blonde uh girl uh -huh. and her friend alexia is a brunette with longer hair and alexia's driving the car marie wakes up in the back seat they're driving in the car they're going to the country to go study yeah they're basically driving out to alexia's parents house they have a little cottage uh kind of uh out in the country where they're going to be doing some studying for uh, some college tests that they have. So just kind of typical, hey, let's go out to the country uh, for the weekend to get ready for these exams or whatever. And they, they uh, the camera cuts to the cottage out at the farm, and we see the moms out there hanging some laundry up, and uh, who we find is Alexi's little brother, Tom, is like running around playing yeah. as a cowboy, right? Okay, yes, and I want to talk about whether or not that's her little brother. In a little okay, because but their age their age gap would be like fucking twenty years or something. Yeah, and uh, and there are a couple scenes anyway. Well, after that little scene at the house, we cut to yeah. somewhere else. We're not exactly sure where, and we see this big, crazy like it looks kind of like the truck that Jeepers Creepers drives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the guy inside of it is uh, filleting himself with a decapitated head. That he is. Um, an unusual, an unusual pastime. I wouldn't call that America's pastime. No, it's not. Uh, Edmund Kemper was a, a fan. <laughs> but yeah, so so we see the Jeepers Creepers truck. Guys, uh, guys getting filleted by a severed head. Now, when he throws the head out there, I heard some people say that that was Marie's face on the head. But I didn't think it looked like her face. But several people said no. they did. I mean, she's making it all up. No, I mean, this doesn't happen at all. None right. of that happens. So, like, it's all... Yeah, so, like, whatever. It could be anybody's face, but yeah, Marie, I, I don't Marie see... Marie doesn't Mar even have a D to get asked, as far as we know. 
Yeah, uh, and I, I don't, yeah, I don't <laughs> see Marie's face, but, uh, yeah, like, you have to remember this, none of this happens. Does the truck right. even exist? Right, like, yeah, exactly. And so then basically we get kind of footage of them sort of driving uh, through the cornfield and stuff towards the house, and they arrive at the little country cottage. Yeah, they the dad is, is there, he, he's like, here's Tom, he stayed up to see you. Tom really likes his sister an awful lot. True. She takes him to lay him down to bed, and he sleepily says, Mommy? To Holy her. Holy shit, he does. And wait, now that, you, now that you mention this, earlier, and I didn't even write it down because it was totally unimportant, or so I thought, but, huh, yeah, way earlier in the movie, like when they were in the car right at the very first of the flick... They were talking yeah. about their boyfriends, and Marie was talking to Alexi, being like, you're such a slut, you've banged like a hundred guys. Are you yeah. saying that the parents are raising their grandkid as if it was their own kid, and that's actually Alexi's kid? Yeah. Holy yep. shit. That's exactly what... Okay, because that happens, and then later... Uh, I mean, again, spoiler alert, if, if you're listening to this to just be told the story of the, the film, later when uh, Tom is killed... He, he's running and he's yelling mommy mommy and each time it, he yells mommy it like cuts back to her crying Holy shit it does yeah yeah and that. she yeah so i i think it's just a, an underlying sort of story that that's that's her son and so like because huh, their parents would have had to have had that boy when they were like 50 something yeah because the parents are so old and she's i mean she's you know, uh, in college, yeah. and this kid is—he's like six, maybe six seven. Or seven. Yeah. And then um, yeah. later on, they, they kind of chit chat and stuff a little bit. And then later on, Maria goes outside uh, for a smoke, and she goes off to like the swing sets outside of the house. And she looks towards the house, and she sees Alexia in the shower with her boobs out. Uh-huh. Yeah, and she sort of uh, watches it for a while, and. <sighs> This is the point in the story where it I'm not sure what actually happened. Now, she in the movie, in the story she's telling, she goes back inside to rub one out. Uh, because she, she is she is in love with Alex and 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 she um she and if you on the second watching you can see it like when they're talking about guys uh like guys that alex are in is into like she's talking about how she's not really uh you know interested in guys etc and she keeps making these comments that like it's the same comments that you would see from like your friend who's really in love with your your hot female friend and every yeah. time he talks to her he's like speaking in coded language right and it's like like you can kind of tell it the second time around that that's what marie is doing she's like trying to say to alex like i'm in love with you but right. we find out here that marie is is she's a lesbian she's interested in alex sexually um, and then, uh, like you said she goes back inside and she lays down on her bed and she puts on her headphones to find some good and listens quality. to the worst <laughs> the worst fucking song i think i've ever heard in my life some just big old the d- d- dub bass reggae jams man <laughs> and she just she just sort of jams and and ha- has herself a wank 
yeah she yeah she's having a downstairs dj party and um and at the same time outside the truck is pulling up to the jeepers creepers the, mobile he kills the dad by kicking his head between two slats in like a, a rail for stairs yeah the stair banister and then and then taking a dresser and pushing it into the dad's head decapitating him it's fucking brutal and in the edited one it just kind of shows his head just starting to get crushed and then the, it cuts away but in the unedited one holy it's like fuck. squirting blood yeah it's 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 brutal it it wakes you right up that's for sure it does so okay so is that true because here's the thing the she is upstairs now in her room trying to move a very large dresser and she can't move it so she in her story she's trying to say like i was upstairs and i I couldn't even move a big dresser so i obviously didn't decapitate a man by pushing a dresser into his head but then at the same time like there's been several shots in here i actually haven't eaten the notes even even like in the shot where she got up to her room the light Uh was cast on marie's body in such a way and marie is like she's got really short hair and she's wearing for the whole movie she's wearing like a really short like kind of cropped t-shirt that's very tight yeah tight jeans like yeah. she's buff dude you can see in the light like she has very great muscle definition yes she is strong yeah yeah it's definitely and we'll see her like later uh running with uh a circular saw which is heavy so oh my like, god yeah she definitely has strength so the thing about her not being able to move the dresser is just bullshit then she hears the killer coming upstairs and she has all this time to sort of like make it look like no one has been in the room and opens the the shower and right about that time the killer is getting right outside the door yeah and then he comes in and suddenly she's under the bed and this is like like this would be bad storytelling if the person telling the story was the director here, but the person telling the story is a unreliable narrator. So yeah. like she's like in two places at once, like she's in the shower and then it's like, and then I was under the bed hiding and he leaves the room and, and goes after, uh, mom, right. The mom. Yeah. Now the mother, we just sort of hear the conflict, but like we see the mother come down, stairs and and see this killer in and the light is shining in her face and she can't really make out his face um and then we just hear like her being uh killed i guess but we'll find out later she actually isn't killed she's just yeah we hear hear struggle basically yeah then the killer when he leaves the room and and handles the mom he goes to alex's room right Alexia. Right. And Alexia's been asleep with earplugs in. That's why she hasn't been awakened by any of this stuff. Yeah. So. And he puts um, a knife to her neck, like a straight razor to her neck, right? Yeah. And, and we get seen, we get like shots of Marie hearing her screaming, but there's no, there are no like killing sounds or anything like that. So she just hears a and, struggle, and that's when she goes downstairs yeah. into the parents' room because she's been trying to find a phone. So she goes down into the parents' room, yeah, and she starts to hear struggle from elsewhere in the house. And that's when she hides in the closet, and it's uh-huh. kind of like a classic. It's very like Halloween one, like the first Halloween shot. 
where yes. she's in the closet. And it's like she's like kind of looking through the slats. Uh-huh. It's really good. Yes. And she sees the mom like crawl out uh, into there, and she's all bloody and just fucking looks like she's damn near dead already. And that's when we see the the killer come in, and he cuts her throat with a razor, which. In my notes, I have written down as man cuts mom's throat Steve style because Steve has had his throat cut open. Yeah, yeah. I actually wanted to tell this story. This is always um, this is always interesting to me in horror movies when someone gets their throat slit because my entire life I've had a weird thing about my throat. I've always felt like you know I don't want anyone to touch my throat or anything like that. Um, when I was, uh, a little bit of a younger man in college at the University of Tennessee, Knoxville, I lived in South Knoxville, which some, uh, areas of South Knoxville are just nice suburbs, but the area we lived in, Vestal, is less nice. (laughs) Um, and one day my roommate and I came home and as we were pulling in to park in our lower driveway, we saw someone coming from our upper driveway, walking out of our our house that we were renting, and he had a sack over his shoulder. No joke, had a sack over his shoulder the of stuff. Hobo he had, look. Uh-huh. It was it was a, a hobo, uh, a big a big fellow with uh, piercing blue eyes, and he was walking out of our apartment. And I stupidly and let me tell you, folks, if someone is uh, robbing your house, just stay safe. I stupidly ran up to him and grabbed him and said, Hey, that's our stuff. And he, um, and you weren't even being then, a dick about it. Like this is even when you were, you were still a Mormon at this point. It's not like you're like, Hey, yeah. you fuck wad, give us our shit back. You're like, Hey, just please give us our stuff back. I didn't. I was like, Hey, that's our stuff. And he shook me off. And then I grabbed him again. And I was like, no, you can't take our stuff. And he uh, backhanded me, and I uh, went to go punch him back. And as I went to go punch him back to turn my head, I couldn't turn my head to see him. And um, my roommate was about five feet away from me at that point, and he said, "Uh, Stephen, you're bleeding. And I reached up, and I touched my neck, and I, I came down, and my hand was covered in blood. Now, this scene of this movie, like when i see this i'm like yeah that's it like that's Ugh. yes there's so much blood he had cut me from right like a millimeter i i mean uh, i would i will post a picture of the scar maybe a millimeter away from my throat on the left side of my neck from the millimeter away from my throat all the way back to behind my ear he slipped me with a utility knife it uh, it cut my sternocleidomastoid, which is the muscle you use to turn your oh head, which God. is why I couldn't turn my head. Ugh, um, and this, it this also makes me cringe because, like, I also have, mm-hmm. I also have that thing where it's like any any like contact with my Adam's apple. Like, I want to pretend ugh, I, ugh, it's ugh. the fucking worst. Like, I don't even like, I don't even like. Ugh. And I know this story, and it still is just making me like, ugh, cringe, ugh. When I see someone with a large Adam's apple, it also grosses me out because I'm like, oh god, it's just trying to touch me. And like, they just bob like up and down when they it. talk and stuff. They oh! like move. It's like, Ugh. so anyway, the guy just walked away. By the way, we live uh, South Knoxville, uh, Vestal. 
<laughs> there were five cars waiting at a red light four feet away from me when this happened. Holy the red shit. light changed. They all drove on. They all saw it happen, and they all drove on. God. So just so you know, people in the South that are like, we'd help out anybody. No, you won't. <laughs> if you're in a poor area of town and you see something like that happen, most of you will just drive on. Um Anyway, so uh, good news was I made it to the hospital. They uh, they were able to stitch me up and stop the bleeding. Um, uh, bad news was the the bills were really high. Oh God! Secondary good news: the state of Tennessee has a victim of crimes fund, hey. and. Yeah, way to go, state of Tennessee. Actually doing, I mean, I'm sure by now they've gotten rid of that. But yeah. at that time, they had a victim of crimes fund. And um, all of my bills, except for about $200, were paid. That's awesome. So, yeah. And uh, <laughs> other bad news, uh, the uh, Knox County police did not care at all. They didn't <laughs> even follow up with me. They didn't do anything. They didn't do anything. So, um, if you live in a poor part of town, um, you're not going to pretend like, uh, race doesn't matter. But if you live in a poor part of town, uh, even if you're white, the police don't give a fuck about you. So. <laughs> and basically if somebody's robbing your house, just maybe let them just take the shit. You can always get shit back, but escape if you can get out. Yeah. Don't like get don't get your throat yeah, cut it, by a bum's rusty box cutter like Steve did. Yeah. Don't. Do not just, uh, you know what? I mean, you know, protect yourself when you need to, but, uh, if you can get away without, uh, the confrontation, a lot of people, if they're robbing your house, they're already crossing lines you wouldn't cross. So, yeah, what are they willing to do next, right? Yeah. They may be travelers on the outer realms of experience. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, a Cinnabite cut my fucking throat. It's the only explanation, dude. Um. Well, they never caught him, so that would make sense. He went back to his dimension. Yeah, um, exactly. He well, what he did is like as soon as he as soon as he after he cut your your throat and you fell to the ground, he actually turned into a big winged bone demon and flew away. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And then he he flew into the golden child. Yeah, exactly. Also a winged bone demon. Anyway. <laughs> Whenever the mom gets her throat cut, though, it's it's really it's really disgusting and brutal. The makeup, I don't know if it's makeup or if it's a combination of makeup and CGI, but it's really great because like her throat splits open and then it starts bleeding. It looks fucking disgusting. Yeah. It's so bad. Yeah, and the and we, it's like we hear a lot after that. We hear like a lot of like squelching and sounds like that, but we don't see it. We get only get Marie's perspective. But she comes out of the closet, and the mom's throat is cut, like, almost all the way to the spine. Yeah. And there's, like, a severed hand. To, like, her hand has been cut off, and it's over by he the phone. He cut off her hand. Yeah. Maybe, like, it was, like, you know, she was trying to defend herself or something. I don't know. But it seemed like if you cut off a hand with a straight razor, you got to work at it, right? It seems so, like that was a recreational hand cutting. Yeah. Um, but this is the first indication. I mean, if you... If you already have seen it and now you're watching it again, this is the first indication that Marie may be the killer because the mom looks at Marie and she says, why? Right. Right. Exactly. And again, that's the kind of thing you don't pick up on, but she's literally asking her, why? Why did you just fucking kill me? Yeah. 
And then we see Tom. Tom is like running, right? Yeah, Tom runs out of his room uh, and runs outside. And the killer, the guy that we keep seeing, who, by the way, is a great at being creepy. Um, yes, like, he is extremely so imposing good. and scary. And yeah. he's like evil Steve Brule. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he looks like. Um, I would love, by the way, if there was a remake of this movie, but Steve Brule was the <laughs> fake killer. <laughs> and he just said Steve Brule shit, but just brutally killed people. Yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome. Why'd you, why'd you take your hand off, you drank us? <laughs> oh, my God. And so Marie goes to Alexia's room to try to check on her and see if she's still alive. And Alexia is, like, on her bed, and she's gagged and she's chained up to the bed and she's really scared like she's just super 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 scared how confusing like if this really happened if she really did like go in to to check on her mm -hmm. how confusing would this be as she just chained her up and gagged her walked out and then walked back in and was like oh there you are yeah exactly that like at that point you as alexi would be like Holy fucking shit. She is a Yeah, lunatic. and she does seem... She seems to respond that way. Just like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, but as a viewer, you're like, oh, she's just in shock because of what's happening. But it's like, no, she's rational. Yeah. She's just like freaked out because her friend is clearly two different people right now. And they hear Tom outside running through the cornfield and the killer's going through him. And uh, you see the killer has like a shotgun and you, you just yeah. hear the shot. You don't see the kid get shot, but you hear the shot. Yeah, and you don't... That's where you were talking about, like, Tom is, like, screaming for mom and stuff, which you're, you're so right. Like, it shows Alexia, and she's like, oh, shit, that's my kid. Yeah, and I, th I really do think it is, and I think that it the, cool. that adds depth. That adds depth to, like, the meaning behind, like, you know, somebody kills your parents, obviously you want revenge, but someone kills your child, like, like her revenge on Marie is, is much sweeter if you realize that she killed her kid. Right. And Marie goes downstairs to try to, to try to use the phone, and she sees the phone line has been cut. And uh, she hears Alexia screaming, and then we see the killer carrying Alexia out in the chains and stuff, and he puts her in the truck. And then we also yeah. have that shot of the killer back inside of the house, and he's looking at the mantle uh, over the fireplace there, and he's looking at all the family photos, and he finds that picture of Alexia and Marie in Spain, and he, uh -huh. he cuts out Alexia's face out of the picture, which is pretty cool. And uh, Alexia gets in the truck with Marie, and then the killer gets back in the truck, and that's when they drive off, right? Yeah, and he, he adds the picture to a number of other pictures in his rearview mirror. So, has Marie killed other people, or is Marie adding some colorful background exactly. to make it seem like you need to be looking for a serial killer. I saw so many pictures, etc. Yep, that's a big question that I had too. Yeah, because he has all these other cut-out pictures of other chicks that you just assume he must have killed, but then, yeah, I'm with you. It's like, really? I mean, are, is that even remotely real? And, yeah. uh, and so they're kind of hiding in the back of the truck. There's sort of like a partition, sort of almost like how a limousine has, where there's a little window between the cab of the truck and the back yeah. of the truck. So the two girls are hiding up against the partition, so the killer can't see that Marie is in there as well. And he's drinking some booze. He's getting his road swag on. This is another indication, I guess, again, if you are once you know that she's the killer and none of this is happening, another indication that something's off 
she's like blatantly trying to unlock the door with the knife and like making tons of noise yeah. and stuff uh like and it seems like oh gosh horror movie cliche like you know <laughs> for some reason she's able to do this without drawing attention yeah uh but of course she is because it's not real it's not happening yeah exactly that um, was something i had a question about i was like how did how did he not see because the killer is always looking in the rearview mirror and stuff but he doesn't yeah. see her trying to like unjam the door but yeah you're right it's because it's bullshit yeah, she she happen she like unlocks the door and he pulls into a gas station. She slickly gets out and runs in and tells the attendant that she needs help and then runs and hides. Yeah, she's like call the police and then she hides and yeah. the killer comes in and the killer's like hello Jimmy. So they're on a first name basis and stuff. And it's at this point which I thought was really interesting cuz like the killer is wearing kind of like a like a slipknot jumpsuit like he's maybe a member of Slipknot. And, yeah. and he's also got like a, a a hat and he's got the hat kind of down low. And it's like at this point in the movie, we actually still haven't seen his eyes. And the killer is talking to Jimmy about he's like, oh, this is the this is the perfect place to bring girls because it's like late at night. Nobody's there. Uh, he's just kind of talking about how you could bring a girl there and, and, and have a shag any old time, basically. Later, when the police will come here and watch, like, surveillance tape of what actually happened, and that's sort of the big reveal, but, like, my issue is here, she is telling the story. She would know that they have the surveillance tape. So how much of this is she actually, like, sticking to what actually happened? Because when he's talking to her about pretty girls coming in and he's putting on like sunglasses and stuff mm -hmm. it all seems really flirty yeah like oh, it yeah. seems like and for an old creepy man it's like well, what, what's going on here but like if it if she's telling like you know she's trying to stick to what she actually said because she's like well they have the tape yeah but she's like but that wasn't me that was the other guy yeah she's telling him like you know this is what it is what happened so i i feel like maybe that part is a little more accurate huh that's yeah because like you could totally see a chick doing all yeah. those lines in a, in a, a flirty way i hadn't thought about that yeah like you get a lot of pretty girls in here and she's like what about these sunglasses on me yeah. yeah yeah she's like, like how do i look and shit like that yeah huh i hadn't thought about that but yeah that would that would make sense if it was yeah huh and so the the killer dude wants a bottle of of some good old j and b and the kid, the Ugh, yeah. Jimmy, the gas station guy, sees blood on his hand, and he's like, "Oh shit! Like, what the fuck's going on here? I've never had J and B." Um, I have. I don't remember enjoying it. Yeah. But uh, I, I think I was a younger man. I've found. I, I know when I was younger, I, I hated whiskey and bourbon, mm -hmm. and now it's. I absolutely love it. Yeah. So. I haven't tried J&B for a long time, so maybe I like it, but I, I think it's just cheap liquor. <laughs> so while the clerk is getting that for him, uh, he turns around and gets scatmanned. He gets scatmanned he so hard. The good old axe to the chest. Yeah, and then and then the the like he falls forward, and then the kick on the back to further drive the axe blade in. The like, sound effect is disgusting. It, the sound did effect, it, it was disgusting. totally like some guy driving... Uh, an axe into a watermelon or something really juicy yeah. and gross. It sounds fucking gross, dude. And 
And so Marie sneaks out as the killer like closes the store down and turns off yeah. the lights and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, and she goes down to the bathroom, and we have this classic horror movie bathroom scene where it's like, check every door, etc. Uh, the killer checks every door except the last door and then just goes and pees, which again is like, like the tension, again, if you're watching it the first time, you don't know the reveal, yeah. the tension is it's building. Great. But if you know the reveal, re- reveal, it's like, well, he's just not going to find her. Yeah. And, and he doesn't. He just doesn't even open the last stall to see if she's in there. Because, again, she's telling this huge lie to the police. And it's just like, I guess it was a miracle. Like, he just stopped right when he got to me. Right. And uh, so then, like, he leaves and Marie goes back into the gas station and calls the police on the phone to try to give him a report and stuff about what's going on. Uh, and the police are like, oh, you know, where are you at? You know, what's your address? And she can't find the address because she doesn't really know where she is. And so uh, she gets all frustrated and, like, hangs up on the cops, right? She yeah, And she's she's being intentionally vague almost, it seems. like, Or she really is going through this, like, split personality thing where... She had some missing she, time where she woke up and she's like, I don't know yeah. where I am. Yeah, because she, she's being very obstinate and not helpful. I mean, I've called 911 before. you you got to be as calm as you can. Right. <laughs> Yo, have you ever called French 911, though? 911? Oh, shit. I haven't called 911, but I bet when they answer, it's like they say something like, uh, I do not care about this life. Or something, and then they like blow smoke. I don't fucking know. Have have a glass of wine and some cheese. Uh huh. Or or you get like a message, and it's like you will be now transferred to one of our mimes. Oh, and then fuck. You're saying shit, and you have no idea like how they're responding. Are you in an, uh, a glass box? I don't know. <laughs> Are you pulling a fake rope? Are you rowing behind a couch? Just tell me. <laughs> And uh, I wish whenever she slams the phone down, if it would have started playing 911 as a joke by Public Enemy. Yeah, because it is in this instance. <laughs> and so she reaches under the counter and she gets a gun that Jimmy had underneath the counter and stuff there. And she gets the keys to Jimmy's car, which is like kind of a, a Kill Bill-esque yellow muscle car kind of thing. And uh, that's when we get some Muse pumping on that soundtrack, some brand name music. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah, not not that terrible reggae from earlier. And then we, we cut back to the, the killer's truck, and he pours some of the liquor back there through the partition on Alexia, and then yeah. lights a match to light a cigarette, and then he holds the match like through the grate like he's about to fucking set her on fire. So that was a great high tension, like, oh, fuck, kind of hills have eyes moment. And uh, so we see that Alexia also still has the knife, the kitchen knife that Marie grabbed earlier. She's got the kitchen knife back there with her yeah. in the back of the truck. We see Marie in pursuit, and she's they're kind of chasing down some back roads and stuff, and Marie kills her life. And she has a rebel flag sticker on the back Dude, of the car. I know. I Did saw you that. I'm like, that? what the fuck? Like, who in fucking France is like, the les stars and bars? <laughs> Let's stars and balls. <laughs> <laughs> like, why? The South will rise again. Just the good old boys. <laughs> Never meaning no harm. <laughs> Our accents are way all over the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, listen, man, 
I have never claimed to be good at any accent, though sometimes if I say the phrase in the States in an Australian accent, it kind of sounds believable. Oh. Are you ready for this? The problem that I, I have just is like start. the impressions that I can. Oh, you, you ran over it, damn it. Damn it. Go ahead, dude. Do, 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 yeah, I'll, make, right, a, I'll make a note. I'll make a note and punch this. I think that's actually funnier. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here it is. Here's my believable Australian accent if I only have to say I was just in the States. Okay. I was just in the States. <laughs> I find that's that extremely it. believable. Yeah, I couldn't say anything else. Like if a kangaroo came along and somebody was like, kangaroo, I'd be like, I think, I don't know. Is that a drop bear? <laughs> what is a knife? <laughs> See, like my problem is all of, all of the accents that I can do are of people that nobody knows. Because um, they're just normal <laughs> people, like some of my like guitar students and stuff like this. Yeah. So it's like... <laughs> I can do a great impression of my student, Nate, but nobody knows who that is. But that's not just like him. Oh, my God. I hope Nate's listening and his whole family is listening. And then his I, I hope that his father has been disappointed with him his whole life. Yeah. But then as they're listening, Nate looks over at his father and his father looks at him with a tear in his eye and nods. <laughs> and then he goes, that'll do, pig. <laughs> That'll do, pig. And Nate's like, oh my god, my dad loves me. <laughs> Was that Nate? I'd, I'd, I'd never heard Nate, so. <laughs> oh my god, my dad fucking loves me. It's kind of like that. <laughs> Let's play some Malmsteen. Okay, so anyway, so back to the back to the flick there. We got kind of a little chase going on here where the killer is uh, being pursued by Marie in the muscle car. And... So then they kind of go down some back roads and stuff, and yada yada. It turns out that the killer ends up behind her. He's kind of gone on some other separate back road. Yeah. He starts like ramming Marie in the muscle car and like runs her car off the road, and it like flies and then fucking crash lands and it's on fire, wrecks her car and shit. Yeah, a good tense car chase. Like, it's really good. And so Marie gets out of the car there, and she's all like beat up and bloody and stuff like this. Yeah, she's bleeding. She got a big wound on her arm. She's bleeding pretty profusely. Right. And she gets out and she finds it's kind of like a greenhouse, like a big plastic wrapped kind of greenhouse or something like that, wherever she is in the woods. Uh -huh. And she starts hiding in there. And the killer is in there looking for and stuff. And she finds like this post in the, in the uh -huh. greenhouse that has like barbed wire wrapped yeah. around it. And she sort of like pulls ECW. the post up. Oh, ECW. Dude, literally in my notes, wraps wire around post, ECW, ECW, ECW. <laughs> yeah. It suddenly, it turned into a Japanese death match. And then I immediately, when that happened, I was like, that guy kind of looks like Terry Funk. Holy fuck. That's also <laughs> in my notes. <laughs> yes. Because he totally does. Like, he's just this old, grizzled, ugly guy, and he totally gets fucking Terry Funked, dude. Yes. And he jumps out and, like, wraps her head in some of the plastic trying to suffocate her. It's, oh, it's cool, terrible too, because, like, to as he's smothering her, the plastic is, like, just kind of that sort of clear, almost shower curtain material plastic. Yeah. And, like, there's, you know, her wet blood is, like, kind of seeping through and smearing around on the plastic. You can see the plastic getting, like, sucked into her mouth and the... Uh, there's this great like heartbeat sound effect as it's going on. It's yeah. really cool. It's very convincing. Like 
this is what it would look like for somebody to get fucking smothered in plastic. And she falls down, but Ugh. she's uh she's not she's not dead. And then the the killer says to her, the killer says, "What do you want from Alexa? She turns you on. She turns me on too." Yeah. So yeah, there's this like there's this conversation finally between her and her killer's side. Uh, I mean, she doesn't say anything, but there's a communication. A dialogue, And he... Yeah, and he starts... You realize they both want the same thing, which is Alexa. She cracks him on the head with this big rock and then takes the barbed wire club and just starts beating his head in. It is ridiculously... It is ECW to the fucking core. The sound effect of like that first shot where she swings it oh. and it sticks in the side of his face, and you can tell when she sort of pulls back on it, it kind of pulls his face with it. Yes. It's like you can hear the barbed wire tongs like sticking into his fucking bones of his skull. It is punishing. It's one of the most brutal things I've seen in a movie. Yeah. Oh, fuck. It's awful. And then she chokes him in the plastic, right? Yeah, yeah, she, uh, well, because she goes, uh, she starts um, to check his breathing, and he grabs her and starts to choke her, and she starts suffocating him with the plastic. She gets away. Um, We see the police arrive at the gas station, right? Yeah, yeah, so it cuts to the police, and the police are checking out the gas station, and the detective, you know, finds the body, and then he looks at the the tape surveillance tape the surveillance tape and we see that marie is the one who killed the attendant with an axe yeah she she uh she scat manned the attendant which i thought was kind of interesting that i feel like if this was an american movie they would have saved that reveal until the very last like five minutes but at this point there's still like 30 40 minutes in the movie and yeah. you find out early on oh marie's actually the killer yeah and there's the well that's where we get the beginning i guess of the full transformation into the killer because she she runs back to the truck and she uh you know um takes the chains and the gag off alexia and alexia's is like she's like i've i killed him and uh, you know i saved all over And Alexia's like, no, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking cut your face off. Like you killed my family. Yeah, she's like, don't touch me, and all this stuff. Yeah, and then she does. She slices her across the face and then stabs her with the knife. Now, this is, uh, I believe, Jason uh, or Friday the Thirteenth Part Three, was it, where Corey Feldman uh, kills Jason and just goes insane oh, that's, that's, on that's Jason. Four. He goes plum four. AP on Jason. Yeah, that's what you do. Yeah. You don't stab and run. You stab and 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 stab. <laughs> and when they question your sanity, you say she killed my fucking family yeah. and almost killed me. And this is cool too because you see like Marie uh or sorry, Alexia stabs Marie and then we see the killer pull the knife out. Like, it changes from Marie to mm-hmm. the man pulling the knife yeah, out. Yeah, and his face is brutal. Like, his face is so ripped up. And we should talk about, and we haven't talked about so far, the effects of this movie. They're fucking great. Uh, All practical. Is it? It's not CG. I, uh, th- as far as I, I understood, mean, it looks this like is it. not... 
It, the effects are made by a, a guy who used to work for Lucio Fulci, no way. Uh, director of you know many Giallo films, and like that's the thing about this movie is because it comes at a time where everything was fake. Mm -hmm. That when you're watching it, yeah, 2003 is like prime shitty CGI in movies. Era. Yeah, you're watching it, you don't think like, oh, they did this practically, but these are all makeup effects. These are all like really great effects. The blood, especially, I find the blood looks fantastic. Um, I don't yeah. know. It's it's a weird thing, but it's like I'm really picky in movies about about blood and the color of blood, especially when like <laughs> yeah. when blood's been exposed to oxygen, it turns that brownish, rusty sort of color. Yeah. And in yeah. this movie, it looks fucking fantastic. Like the blood all over Marie's head and her mm -hmm. arms and stuff and her clothes, it looks like yeah blood that has been exposed for hours. And the blood looks wet and it reflects light really well and. I don't know. The blood effects are especially great in this movie. Absolutely. I, I really love it. Me too. So after Alexia stabs Marie and, and the killer pulls the knife out, uh, goes back to the truck and gets the that, that big-ass concrete saw. Apparently that is yeah. a handheld, brutally heavy-duty saw that is used to cut slabs of concrete. Yes. Now this is where... I mean, uh, a number of times this movie is like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but this is like very much yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre homage. Like that's what they were going for, because she's running and she, you know, flags down a nearby motorist. She gets in the car, uh, and here comes Marie with this cement saw, and just starts sawing at the the windshield of the car dude now, it's so fucking great dude it's so insane and this actually reminded me also because it's so like animal and brutal and how like it, it reminded me of the chimp ripping away the blinds on that window in uh the shutters on that window in phenomena it is dude and man it's like it, this is one of those to me really pitch perfect scenes of violence in a movie because it's, uh -huh. it's almost sensory overload because in the backseat yes. of this guy's car, this poor innocent fuck that just wandered into this scenario, uh, you have Alexia and she's screaming bloody murder. You have the sound of this concrete saw that is just like raging, high-pitched, mechanical uh -huh. white noise. Then you've got the sound of it cutting through the glass and busting the glass. Uh -huh. Then you've also got the overwhelming visual stimuli of that saw just tearing that guy fucking open. Uh. And blood is spraying everywhere, dude. Like It hits the camera at some point, uh -huh. which apparently like fucked the camera up, but it looks so good they kept it in the movie. <laughs> yeah. And like it's spraying all over Marie's face as she's screaming. Like It's so violent it it's hard to it's hard to take it in it's overwhelming how violent that scene is yeah i think it's one of the best gore scenes in any horror movie ever yes for sure like i was just gonna say that like the it's so real too like it, like it's not over the top it, it's it's realistic right blood coating everything inside the inside the car i really love too and this is just a, a small thing but for some reason it made it so much more gruesome to me but like when we get that that side view of the poor driver in there and he's getting hit with the concrete saw yeah he 
it, it's almost like the concrete saw is just barely nicking the front of his chest. Like it's not, oh, it's yeah, not like, yeah. you know what I mean? She's not pushing it in like six inches deep. Yeah. Like it's really only about like half an inch is hitting the guy. So it's just skimming his sternum. It makes that would it hurt. Oh my God. So it much. makes it so much worse. Cause if you see that, if you see him like fully impaled with that thing, you're like, Oh, he's already dead. But yeah. that thing is just no. nicking him, and you're like, oh, he's fucking uh, feeling that. Just ripping, oh. just ripping flesh off the bone. Just, ugh. Ugh. It's so bad. And during all this stuff, um, oh, well, the guy dies, and then and then uh, the killer goes off to the side of the car, and he's like pushing the concrete saw through the wind, sh- or sorry, through the window of the side of the yeah. car where Alexia is, and Alexia is screaming and stuff. And then we get that awesome shot of the killer. Where he puts the saw down and he just like goes, eh, eh, like kind of mock screams yeah. like her and stuff. Yeah, that yeah, it uh, it reminded me uh, actually the scene where he was pouring the liquor on her and like you know pretending like he was gonna catch her on fire and this reminded me of the cook from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, who doesn't get involved in the killing but has these like really weird sadistic this weird sadistic streak to him and that's what like you're, is coming out here like he's just making fun I, I i i don't know like how you could ever get to that mindset where the sound of someone frightened for their life you're just like let's make fun of that <laughs> it reminded me too is a very buffalo bill move yeah a very sonsible yeah Lambs that's down. true yeah and so Alexia escapes. She finds a crowbar in the back seat, and she pries the door open, and we see her crawling off. And she's got like this gigantic oh. shard of broken glass, like around in her, her Achilles, Achilles tendon. Oh! And she pulls it out, and it's like one of the most hard to watch things I've ever seen in a movie. It's so yeah. fucking gross. Ooh, yeah. And that's when that's rough. Marie as the killer, and again, this is this is. Especially now that you're kind of talking about how the kid, you know, maybe Alexia had a kid and stuff. This is actually more interesting because the killer is like, you drive a woman crazy, you little slut. And then he says, do mm-hmm. you love me? You love me, don't you? Yes, I love yeah. you. It, it's Maybe it's the kind of thing where like maybe what a lot of this madness stemmed from is like Marie had been in love with Alexia all this time. And then Alexia goes and gets knocked up by some guy and has this kid. And that just really set Alexia off over the edge. Because the Maybe. whole movie, she's calling she calls her a slut like four times in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, she's obviously angry at her for... And, and again, it's like that guy, <laughs> the neck beard we all know, who pines after yeah. the cute girl that he probably could have dated if he wasn't such a fucking weirdo about it. Yeah. But, like, the the idea that, like there's something you could do that would make you be together. Yeah. And well, I mean, such as being a man. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Oh, good call. Oh, didn't think about that. Like she, this personality's developed because she, but it's also like, he's real creepy and nasty. Like that's her view of men. Yeah. Is that it's like they use women. Like the first thing we see of him is him using a woman's head to masturbate. So, so like, that's her view of men. That's what she sees in men. And that's what she's like disgusted at the idea that she lets men be a part of her life and, and, and 
fuck with her though because she she yeah. also said that she likes men who are already in a relationship so she's obviously in a lot of not good relationships not healthy relationships right yeah i think that's a i think that's a good insight yeah for sure that's yeah really i huh i hadn't thought about that at all and really so good. then, like, uh, Marie kisses Alexia, and Alexia's kind of going along with it just enough to where she can drive that crowbar straight through her and impale uh, Marie. Yeah. It's brutal. And it's, yeah, that would take that'd take a lot of force for sure. It would. T- you'd have to hope it was a, a sharp enough crowbar, but she definitely, like, she just drives it through her right shoulder. Um which you know when you see it it's like well that that wouldn't necessarily kill her and obviously it didn't because what we then see we cut to her in the hospital again what we saw from the beginning cut to her in the hospital we see the scars so it's been a while she's like healing from all of her wounds and she's i guess done telling the story and alexia's behind the the two-way mirror she says like she can't see us right because uh marie is staring like right directly at where she is right and she's repeating what she said at the beginning about how no one will get between them and then there's uh i guess the final like scare is she like reaches towards where she is um yeah but she's chained to a bed she's not gonna be able to get to her Right, and that's where the movie uh, ends. A lot of enjoyable parts, and, and certainly a movie that has uh, a lot going for it. What yeah. do you think, Ben? I liked it. This is one of those flicks that I, I definitely did enjoy watch. I saw it again, like I said, maybe about maybe about nine months or so ago. So I had seen it for the first time not not too terribly long ago, and I still enjoyed watching it even after that that short of a time. Mm-hmm. It's. Um, uh, and I know I've referenced this on other episodes too, but it's not necessarily one of those movies that puts me in like a good happy mood, like watching, you know, <laughs> like a, a good old school slasher or something like that. It's it's a pretty grim, brutal kind of movie, very creepy, uh, very brutal at times. Um, so yeah. I wouldn't say that's necessarily one that like makes me happy to watch, but it's a it's a really cool flick. Um, I would say if I was going to give this like an, an out of 10 kind of rating, I would probably say this is a, probably about a six or seven, six and a half out of 10, something like that. What about you? Uh, I would give this a six for sure. Yeah. There's a lot I like about it. Yes. I like the gore. I like the brutality. I like the just showing um, a reality of the just disgustingness of murder right i like those elements um i dislike and and i don't exactly dislike this about most movies but i dislike about this movie that you do have to watch it twice for the value of it to fully come out right um watching it once almost feels the ending feels cheap it feels like you you have to you have to be able to go back and watch it and connect a lot of dots to see like how the story actually does connect really well and how everything does make sense yeah because otherwise and and this is something that i saw from a lot of other people's reviews about this movie um otherwise if you don't 
and I think if you watch this movie on a very surface level, it just looks like the, the whole twist of her being the killer seems like such an easy way out. Just the whole, oh, twist, none of that really happened. Uh, it's Tyler Durden did it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think to a lot of people, they misunderstood that. And uh, then they go, wait, there's a lot of plot holes in this movie. And you go, yeah. well, yeah, of course. Like, you're hearing the retelling of this story by fucking lunatic. You're hearing their version of the story. Like, if you heard, if there was another movie that was made that was Alexia's side of the story, it would be completely different, and it would be logical, and it would make sense. But you're hearing this movie as a recounting from a crazy person, which you don't realize the first time that you watch it, so you might just think it's full of holes. It is full of holes, but they're due to it being told by a lunatic. Um, yeah, I would say the things that I liked about this movie, I liked the the soundtrack. The Muse thing, of course, was the thing that stood out, but there's a lot of other music throughout the film that I really liked, and I thought fit the mood of the flick nice. There's some great sound design. Like I mentioned, some of those sound effects are so gross. And I like the aesthetic of the characters a lot. I mean, there's really only, let's see, the mom and dad, the boy, Alexia, Marie, Jimmy the killer and the two cops, which might as well not even be characters. I mean, there's like nine people in this movie. Um, But I find that they all have a really cool aesthetic. Like I could just, you could just show me a still from this movie, any still. And I'd be able to tell you it was from high tension. And that's Alexia. This is from high tension. That's the killer. They all have a distinct good look about them, which I like too. Um, As far as my dislikes about the movie goes, you know, maybe maybe the fact that it's dubbed, like, I'm totally okay with some dubbing, especially in those Italian flicks, like in those Argento flicks and stuff. I, I think it really just adds to how weird those movies are, <laughs> that, they're, yeah. that they're dubbed and it's kind of shitty and I kind of like it. Um, with this movie, I, I totally would not have minded reading subtitles i don't mind subtitles and actually most of the time i think you're the same way most of the time even in english-speaking movies i watch them with subtitles on anyway just because i hate missing lines of dialogue yeah i keep them on all the time yeah so it's like i'm kind of used to sort of reading movies anyway so i think i would have liked to hear the original actors and actresses voices even if i didn't understand the words rather than seeing it dubbed and having that disconnect of, oh, you know, their lips aren't forming the words that I'm hearing. Um, I think there's a few scenes in it that are a little too long. Some of the cat and mouse scenes are like... Yeah, they do actually take up the majority. Like, the kill scenes are all pretty quick. They are. And it's I mean, mostly, mostly the cat and mouse. Yeah, like the, like the bathroom hiding sequence, like that could have been cut by at least 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, probably more actually and then like the kind of hiding in the shower sequence a, a lot of those scenes I think could have been a little too a little too long and uh, I wouldn't have minded having a little bit more development about the relationship of Marie and Alexia yeah because you don't really get a lot before the crazy killing starts happening you don't really get a lot of that you just like oh they're friends they've traveled hence this photo from them in Spain but I wouldn't have minded. She's never seeing, met her family. Yeah, I wouldn't have minded seeing a little bit more of their, even little hints of the unrequited love that they have. Um, now that we've been talking about this sort of, you know, maybe Tom is actually Alexia's kid thing. Maybe even getting a little backstory about that stuff that would have made it more rational for 
you know, uh, Marie to turn into this uh, multiple personality killing machine, I wouldn't have minded a little bit of backstory there. I don't hate that there's not much, but I wouldn't have minded if there was a little bit more. Because it relies on the unreliable narrator trope. Yeah. We, yeah, we're always going to be deficient in the information we really want to know. <laughs> and I think it's uh, that's actually interesting when you do think about actual killings and when you think about why did this happen and even when you get answers from the killer they're never satisfactory they right. never fully make you feel like yeah but like like you're always thinking yeah but there are other ways you could have dealt with this <laughs> um i think maybe some of that is a good artistic stroke the deficiency of information but i think yeah just like maybe even one little line that indicated a little bit more about their friendship could have really opened up like um i, I guess because it, it is a, a real jarring movement from yeah. hey we're friends going to stay at my family's farmhouse oh my family's getting killed yeah like and i'll even leave it out there that you know maybe there was something that got lost in the translation like in some of those lines where they're talking about boyfriends uh, and how Alexis mm -hmm. slut and stuff it's like maybe there is some stuff that just didn't quite translate right right yeah some subtext that would have come out from the way she says things yes yeah. exactly so maybe there's some of that so I'll, I'll give it that benefit of a doubt but those would be I think kind of my main criticisms but still overall a very enjoyable flick especially if you do like seeing some some twists and turns, some kind of psychological fight clubby kind of stuff. Um, the movie looks good. The gore effects are fantastic. So, yeah, I, I definitely recommend. I'd, I'd definitely recommend checking this flick out. One of the better, one of the better modern horror flicks from this side of the millennium for sure. Yeah, if you do like this type of horror movie, I highly recommend a movie called Bound to Vengeance. Mm. Um, I think it. It does some of what these uh, these movies do, but also has more more story to it, more like heart to it, I guess. And also, don't breathe. I want to see Don't Breathe. I still haven't watched that. Yeah, that's really good. Really brutal. Really like in vain with this intense, very tense movie. Wow. Yeah. Well, so for our next flick, we're going to, in the style of the cars, shake it up. <laughs> so, uh, as I mentioned before, I, I really enjoy talking with my main man here, Steve, about some, some talkies. We're both really huge movie guys, and we like stuff more than more than horror flicks. So we've decided, um, and we'll, we'll kind of decide on the frequency of it based on how much you guys like hearing this stuff, but every now and then... We're going to pitch you guys a little wild card action. Just a little wild card where we cover a movie that isn't necessarily a horror movie, but perhaps is what you think of as being on the fringe of horror movies. <laughs> so stuff that might involve, you know, a monster or a werewolf or an alien or a cyborg or something fantasy related. Stuff that's kind of on the edge of horror. Not necessarily like watching You've Got Mail. But I'm saying that every now and then for a wild card, we might we might pull something like a like a like a Terminator, or a uh, 
what'd you say earlier, like a RoboCop or something? Just something that's like... RoboCop, sure. Not necessarily horror, but it has stuff you might see in a horror movie. Now, guys, keep, just keep close hand on your heart medicine if you have a weak heart oh. when we name the movie we're about to name, because it's, it's going to cause some terror. It might cause a little ruckus, because it is the first film in an extremely ridiculously successful franchise of movies and books by the name of Harry McPotter and the Sorcerer's Mech Stone. Oh man, I love the McDonald's tie-in. <laughs> like how the, I like how they wove it in there so it doesn't really stick out too much. It's seamless product placement integration. Yeah. You know what like Whenever Hagrid shows up mm -hmm. and he's like, oh, Harry, here's your Whopper. <laughs> and uh, Harry's like, I think you got that. I think you got that wrong. You meant Big Mac. And he's like, oh, right. Robbie Coltrane. <laughs> that was my Robbie Coltrane impression. He does say his name frequently. Um, yeah. Even as yeah. his character. <laughs> so on the next episode, just to shake things up a little bit, we're going to be covering Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, mainly just because... I really want to talk with Steven about Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, and you guys are going yeah. to be subject to it. Uh, I am a ginormous Harry Potter fan, and I have me too. I have actually seen the first movie um, like a billion times. Like I would say upward, yeah. upward of like a hundred times, because it's one mm. of those that has put on and play guitar while I have it on. You know what I mean? I've seen it. I have not seen it as many times as that, but I do. I do. Uh, not as regularly as I rewatch the Lord of the Rings, but I do pretty regularly rewatch the Harry Potter movies uh, or reread the books. Um, big fan. It'll be fun because the first movie, like, kind of sucks. Like, all the acting is just uh -huh. fucking terrible in it. Oh, and the CG. Oh, God, oh. it's so bad. So it'll be a really fun one to talk about. So be sure to, to tune into that one whenever we put that bad boy out here. Uh, really soon. I'm, I'm already really excited about it, and uh, yeah, it'll be a fun one. Yeah. Wild card, bitches. Wild card. Well, in, Steven, in the meantime, where can they find us on the social media and keep in contact with us? Well, you can always email us at deadandlovelypod at gmail.com oh. or you can find us on Twitter or Instagram at deadlovelypod. Oh, Steve, where can they find you on those social media outlets? Well, on Twitter, I'm at Steven Spratling. That is Steven with a V, the only way to spell Steven. Uh, you could also find me on Instagram, same name. Uh, you could also, if you're really looking for me, you could find me probably on Tumblr or Snapchat, any of those places that I hardly ever go anymore. Or the mean streets of Las Vegas, California. Yeah, you guys know about Viva Las Vegas. <laughs> Uh, myself, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Ben Eller Guitars. And you can also find my YouTube channel over on YouTube.com slash Ben Eller Guitars. So find me on there and learn something about that guitar. Uh, in the meantime, thank you guys so much for listening. Be sure to go on iTunes and write us some reviews. Even if it's just like saying, I like damn, just leave that in a five-star review. And that would really help us get a little bit more visible and easier to find on those iTunes charts and stuff like that. So please do yeah. write interview. Don't use bad words or else they won't post it. Um, yeah. Uh, Say, use, use church words. Use your church language. 
Yeah. Hashtag I like them. <laughs> In the meantime, you guys have uh, been great, and we have been dead and lovely. See y'all later. See ya.